0: believe and become. Enjoy. Well, good morning again. Are you glad you're here? Yeah? Awesome. It's been a good morning so far. I want to personally invite you again. Discover VFC is at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Just come in through the main sanctuary doors and and we'll get you to your classroom. Uh, If if you're new here and you'd like to find out more about who we are, uh, what makes us tick, Uh, Or if you've been coming for a long time and you've never been to this class before, I'd love to invite you to come. Um, Also, thank you for praying for us as we travel abroad. Uh, A couple people have recommended to me that I get a tan before I go. Uh, Probably a smart idea, but let's be honest, there's just, there's no help in this. Um, So, (laughs) um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, I'll be back soon, and uh, hopefully we'll have some amazing, awesome God moments to share uh, with you guys. So... Uh, we are ending our Replacing Religion series. Uh, we've done this all through the month of September. Uh, I've really enjoyed sharing these messages. If you haven't had a chance to get caught up, I encourage you to. All of our messages are on CD, in the foyer, uh, online, uh, at our website, and uh, our podcast, as well as in our app, our church app. And so we want to make sure that you can uh, continue and, and keep up and, and listen to what God has to say. Um, This morning we're talking about cutting out the middleman. I'll explain what that means in just a second. But just as review, this whole message, uh, we've been talking about the fact that religion uh, is man's attempt to reach God through systems, institutions, rules, or rituals. Religion is uh, is man's attempt to reach God through systems, institutions, rules, or rituals. Christianity, though, Conversely, is God's attempt to reach man through his son, Jesus. So in religion, we're desperately trying to reach God, but in Christianity, God is trying to reach us. Now week one, we talked about rethinking the relationship. You know, you can look religious and not know God. You can go through the motions, attend the services, have the bumper sticker... And not know God. So we talked about that week one. Week two was called stop in the name of love. Christians don't follow the law. We walk in the spirit. We don't follow the Old Testament law. We walk in the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us um, how to act right. We don't act right because God is far off and looking down on us and scaring us into submission. He lives in us and he makes us want to do what's right. If you don't want to do what's right, you need to figure out if God is in you. That's how that works. That's how Christianity works. Um, then, beginning with week three, we started looking at the three foundational pillars that prop up religion and how Jesus replaced them all. So week three was the pillar of exclusion. We don't fight against unbelievers. We fight for unbelievers. Okay, There's no longer them for us to rally against. And then we talked about the pillar of location. There are no longer sacred places, just sacred people. And so Jesus is replacing these pillars of religion. The third one uh, we're going to talk about today, and that is the pillar of mediation. Mediation. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. But these, I believe, are three pillars that prop up religion that needs to be replaced by a relationship with Jesus. Let's talk about mediation. Religion needs mediators. Religion needs mediator. Now let's just define that word mediator just so we're all on the same page. A mediator is a third party who intervenes between two people in order to create or restore their relationship. So a third party that intervenes, that is a go-between, that is a middleman between two people or two parties in order to either create or restore Their relationship. Now, sometimes this is due to unfamiliarity. So if two people uh, don't know each other, then a mediator would introduce the two. You may have done this like if you're at lunch and someone comes and walks up and says, Hey, how's it going? Go, Hey, how are you doing? Hey, have you met my friend Bob, right? And then you, you introduce each other and all that. You just became a mediator. Or my favorite example, something that many of us did in elementary school where you had a crush on someone, so you wrote a little note. Do you love me? Check yes or no. And then, you know, you didn't pass it to the person. You passed it to a friend who then might have passed it to their friend who then passed it to the person, right? And then they checked. No. Uh, that, that, was my, that was my experience. Um, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm playing. They, they told me to my face. No, I was kind of a big deal in elementary school, guys. In third grade, I was ruling the place. I'm just saying. But that's that's a mediator, right? It's a go-between. It's trying to develop a relationship. Now, it's either due to unfamiliarity or due to conflict. Now, you may have experienced this like in a business setting where there are two businesses that are trying to work out a deal, and they will sometimes go to a mediator... Uh, to help the two talk, right? Uh, unfortunately, some of us have experienced this when it comes to divorce. Um, there's, in, our, in our culture, there's a lot of mediation that happens when it comes to uh, divorce. And so, again, a third party is trying to reconcile or trying to get them to come to an agreement. Here, here's the problem. God and humanity need a mediator. We, we need someone to connect us. Um, but religion has all these extra false re- mediators that are trying to get us connected to God. But here's the first thing I want you to know. Is that Jesus is the only mediator between God and humanity. He is the only mediator between the two. As a matter of fact, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says this point blank. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The Man, Christ Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is the Man? I like that. I like the way that it puts it there. The Man, Christ Jesus. You should tell Jesus, Jesus, you are the Man. I love it. Now, why, why does He? But isn't it interesting you put that the Man, Christ Jesus? Like, why did He say that? Well, here's why He said that because Jesus is the only one that can intervene between us and the Father. See, there's there's a separation between us and God. You're not God. He's not human. But we needed someone to intervene between the two because we're sick with sin, because we we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of of sin is death. And so we need a mediator, we need some sort of go between, some sort of middleman. Jesus is the only one that can do that because he is in a unique position of understanding both parties. See, when you go to a mediator, you want to make sure that they understand your side, and also it's their job to understand the other side. Well, Jesus, fully God and fully man, is able to represent God and man in mediation. And that's why uh, Paul is writing here, he's saying, hey, the man, Jesus Christ. In other words, he is uniquely qualified to be the only mediator, the only middleman, the only go-between between the Father and us. Now, this is interesting. Jesus, uh, shares this with his disciples in John chapter 16, and you see the context of it is prayer. He's teaching them uh, how to pray, and he's saying, hey, the way that you've prayed in the past is going to be different from the way I'm going to instruct you to pray now. Because now, um, now things have changed as far as mediation is concerned. Let's, let's look at this. John chapter 16, 23 through 27. Jesus is talking, and he says, hey, I'm about to die. I'm going to resurrect, all right? He goes, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. i tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name, my name. A couple things. He's saying, look, this is going to be different for you, okay? After I'm gone, you're not going to ask me for anything, and then I ask the Father, right? You are going to ask the Father in my name. Now, you're used to the idea of, use, of, of using Jesus' name. You know, when we end most prayers, what do we say? In Jesus' name, amen. Right? That's what we always say. And you know what? Keep saying that. It's great. But, but praying in Jesus' name is not just tacking his name onto the end of a prayer. Praying in Jesus' name is using his authority, living in his light, being in relationship with him. Then you get to come under his name. You know, if you were to stand out in the middle of the road in traffic and say, hey, stop, everybody, you might get hit. <laughs> Everyone's like, who is this clown? But if you stand in the middle of the road and you've got a police officer's uniform on, you've got a gun and the badge, and you say, stop, the cars are going to start stopping. Why? Because a police officer, when he puts on those clothes, when he puts on that badge, He's operating under another name. He's operating under another authority. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we're not just saying the name of Jesus at the end. We are actually praying according to his will. We're praying according to his way. And we're praying out of relationship with him. Let's keep reading the scripture here. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Um, Again, uh, 23. Um, you'll ask the Father directly. He will grant your request because you use my name. Verse 24. You haven't done this before. This was new. Ask using my name. And you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Verse 25, I've spoken of these matters and figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. And this is awesome. Jesus, The disciples are like, finally. They actually say that after this passage. One of them goes, finally. you know, You've been praying. You've been teaching all these parables and stories. Just tell us plainly. All right? And then he says this, verse 26, then you will ask in my name. This is important. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Okay, what's he saying? He's saying, look, you don't have to ask me to ask God. Like in some sort of fearful, I don't know who what God's like. I don't know what he's going to say. No, the Father loves you. So you get to go directly to him through me. Let me show you an example. Buck and Lindsay, if you guys will help me out. Come on up here. So for the purpose of, of this illustration, Buck, you get to be Jesus, okay? Woohoo, son of God, good job. And Lindsay, you're going to be God the Father, okay? And so here I am, Joe Schmo, right, and I want to talk to God. Well, the old way, according to this scripture, is I would t- say, hey, Jesus, what's up, bro? Will you please tell God that I have this specific need? I need healing in my body. I need restoration of my finances. I need... <laughs> Jesus is, like, really into it. Um, <laughs> I need all these different things. Will you please go tell the Father? And then Jesus goes and tells the Father, right? That was the old way. Evidently whispers it in his ear. That was the old way. But now Jesus is giving new instructions. He's like, no, you're going to go linked up with me direct to the Father, And now I get to talk to the Father directly because I'm in relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? So that's how he's changed things. Good job, you guys. That was way too much overacting. I'm really into that. I love it. So Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. We go directly to God now through Jesus. Now, let me tell you why this is important. It's because in the Old Testament, in the majority of the Bible that you read, it's not like this. And you need to be careful when you're reading the Old Testament because didn't Jesus, Jesus just changed how you, how you come to God in Scripture? Actually, in the Old Testament, there were, there were three different types of mediators before Jesus came that the people used in order to have contact with God. I want to go over these with you really quickly, and I want to show you how Jesus replaced all three. The first one are the prophets. There were prophets in the Old Testament. And if God wanted to speak to people, he didn't speak to the people. He spoke to the prophet. There's actually a scripture in the Old Testament that says, I do nothing except that which I share with my prophets first. And so God would speak to a prophet. A prophet spoke the word of God. And and, and then the the prophet would then speak it to the people. They were a mediator. They were a go-between. Here's the thing. Jesus is the word of God. So John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, And the word became flesh, became human, and made his home among us. So you got the word of God was spoken by God to people, to the rest of the people. That was the Old Testament model of prophecy. But now... Jesus is the word and he's left his Holy Spirit and he speaks to you directly and you can all prophesy. Some of y'all didn't believe me when I just said that. Thank you. I'm trying, sweetheart. You can all prophesy now. If you need to hear from God, you don't need to go find a prophet in the phone book and look, look up their number and ask them to give you a word. You can hear from God. Why? Because the word lives in you. And so the mediator of prophet in the Old Testament has, has, been, has, has been replaced by Jesus. Now, now, don't hear me say that prophecy doesn't exist. I'm saying the exact opposite. I'm saying prophecy is actually easier now. And you can all prophesy, okay? You can all prophesy because Christ, the word, is in you. The, the second uh, type of mediator that we see in the Old Testament that's been replaced by Jesus are the priests, so in the Old Testament, we the priests. So if, if, you, if you sinned, which you did, all have sinned. If you've sinned, then you've got to go to the temple. We talked about the temple last week. You've got to do your sacrifice. You've got to do your penance. You've got to do your stuff. Um, and then the priest administered the forgiveness of God on your behalf. Now, you, you didn't work directly with God. It was the priest that did it. The priest was the mediator. But here's look at how Jesus has become our high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God directly, right, there, we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus is your high priest, and he has given you his access code. He has given you his proximity card. You ever, does anyone have one of those at work where you put the card up next to the door and it unlocks? Maybe you guys use retinal scan. Right? Here's the thing, Jesus has given you his access card to heaven. You were locked out because of sin, but now he has given you access. He is the high priest. He is the one that atones for sin. He has administered the forgiveness of God. So you don't have to worry, you don't have to tiptoe into the throne room of God and be like, oh no, I'm going to get struck by lightning. Look, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you can walk in and say, hey, Father, here is here's my need, here's, here's, here's what's going on in my life. You can be bold, you can be confident, because you've got a high priest who lives in you. You've got a high priest that you have a relationship with. So Jesus not only replaced the prophet of the Old Testament, he replaced the priest of the, New, of the Old Testament. And similarly, just like you can now prophesy, you are the priest. You are royal priesthood is what scripture says as well. So that means you get to initiate you and your family's relationship with God. You don't have to wait on another person. Look, I'm here as the lead pastor to to help shepherd you, to help teach you, right? But my job is not to connect you to me. That would make me a mediator. My job is to connect you to the Father. The, The third thing that we see in Scripture is the king. The king enforced the rule of God. That was the king's job. Uh, the, the, the king would hear from God, here's what we do, and, and, and here's how we do it, and here's how I'm going to rule the land. But in Revelation 19, 16, Jesus is called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is now the king that we follow. His commandments are the commandments that we now follow. And so all of these, all of these mediators of the Old Testament have been replaced, prophet, priest, and king. They've been replaced by Jesus. Amen? I want, the third thing I want you to know about mediators is this. Good things can be false mediators. Good things can be false mediators. And what do I mean by a false mediator? A false mediator is anything that we think is bringing us closer to God, but it's not. Anything that we think is helping our relationship with God, but for whatever reason, it's not doing that. So I'm about to mention three things that are good. Three things that you should be doing, but you should only be doing these things because you're saved, not in order to get saved. Are you with me? Let me show you the first thing that can be a false mediator. The Bible. Now, what you're not hearing me say is that you don't have to read your Bible. Or that you don't have to know what scripture says. I'm not saying that at all. As a matter of fact, that's paramount to your spiritual health. But what I'm saying is this. Just because you own a Bible or have read a Bible doesn't mean you're close to God. When I was in college, I had an Old Testament professor that knew all the Hebrew. I mean, could could speak it fluently and could tell us. And that dude didn't know God at all. He he was borderline atheist, and yet he was teaching a Bible class. And and that, I mean, he knew scripture. He knew scripture way better than I did at that point. But he didn't know God. As a matter of fact, Jesus talks to the Pharisees, and they were suffering from the same problem. John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus tells them, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. What's Jesus saying? He's like, look, you know the scriptures, but you're not using them appropriately. The Bible is supposed to take you into a relationship with Jesus. It in and of itself is not the relationship. Imagine you're you're up in your attic in a house and you're digging through your family's old heirlooms and stuff that's been left behind and you're going through boxes and all of a sudden you find this like old treasure map and you look at it and it's got a a treasure and, and, and a map to it and it's worth millions and millions of dollars. Wow. Would you frame that and put it over your mantle at home? You use it. You go. Whoever said yes? Maybe you didn't understand the question. You go get the millions of dollars. You tithe, and then, and then you can frame it if you want to. But but you don't. you 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 use the treasure map to get the treasure. The treasure map is just a vehicle. It's just a means to an end. It's just it's just what takes you to what really matters. Scripture is the treasure map. Jesus is the treasure. If your Bible reading is not leading you into deeper relationship with Jesus, you're doing it wrong. I, I encourage you to come to our school of ministry classes. It's it's we're, we're, they're closed now, but we'll do them again this spring, and we will teach you how to read Scripture for relationship, not simply for information. The information's good. But I know all sorts of information about people that I don't know. I mean, I can tell you, and you know sorts of facts about who's married to who, what celebrity is starred and what movie. You know those facts, but you don't know them. So if we only use Scripture as, as, a, as a source of information together, facts about God, it's not life-giving. Look, you can put your Bible under your pillow at night and sleep on it. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. It, it's supposed to spur you on to a relationship with Jesus. Let's not make the Bible a false mediator, okay? The second thing that can be a false mediator, a good thing, but it can, be make it, it can be a false mediator, are other people. Other people. We can choose to try to make other people our connection to God. I've seen this so many times when I was a youth pastor. I would see um, a, a, a youth... Uh, a teenager, and then they would get into a relationship with someone that really wasn't a believer. And the the non-believer would start coming to youth group, and they would enjoy the activities and stuff. But then, inevitably, the the relationship would would fail. They'd break up, and then that person, just their relationship with God was gone too. Why? Because the only connection they had with the father was through this person, this other person. It wasn't their own decision. They were just following a person. We do this kind of stuff all the time. Look, Christian leaders. Christian leaders, look, read the book, watch the TV preacher, all right, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Please, I, I would love to help instruct you in your relationship with the Lord, but I'm not your connection to God. You get to go straight to the Father through Jesus, right? It's my job to connect you to God. And so people can be a poor mediator. Look, family members. Look, if, you've got, if your great-great-grandpa was a preacher, congratulations, that's awesome. That means nothing when it comes to your personal relationship with God. Your mom may have all Scripture memorized. Your dad may have been a, a, a missionary to Mozambique. Doesn't matter. They're no grandchildren of God. They're only children of God. You have to come to God yourself. People are not a mediator. They're, they're false mediators between you and God. In Exodus chapter 20, Mount Sinai, God descends on a mountain. And uh, it really freaks out the people. They see the glory of God there and they're like, holy moly. And this is their response, Exodus twenty eighteen through 19. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn and they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance. Trembling with fear, and they said to Moses, "You speak to us, and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die." Don't we do this a lot sometimes? We 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 want. Hey hey, you go talk to God for me and tell me what He says. This is this is not this is not the way that Jesus has set this up. Psalm one hundred three seven talks about this. It says. He, God, made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So Israel knew his acts, his deeds. Israel knew the what. Moses knew his ways, the why. See, there was more intimacy between Moses and God because he went directly to God. While the others were using a mediator. They knew what God was doing, but they didn't know why God was doing it. Israel knew the information. Moses knew the intention. He knew the thoughts of God. Israel knew the deeds. Moses knew God's desires because there was direct communication there. Don't try to set up anyone else as a mediator between you and God. You go directly to Him through Jesus. Here's the third and last good thing that can be a false mediator religious activity. Religious activity. Doing church stuff, right? Doing good deeds, doing good works. Hey, it's it's good. You should do good deeds. You should do good works. But don't think that is what puts you in right standing with God. It's not. It's not. The Pharisees were professionals at this, okay? Check this out. As a matter of fact, they had something called the Mishnah. That In addition to the 613 laws in the Old Testament, they had additional laws and additional commentary uh, on these oral laws where the, um, the, the priests had kind of added to extra things. Okay, So check this out. Jesus gets on the Pharisees about this, Mark chapter 7, 1 through 7. It says, one day some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. Okay now first of all, this Jewish hand, uh, this ritual of hand washing this was not for cleanliness or for sanitation okay this was this was a religious thing that they would do okay now the writer of mark here actually you're going to see this next verse or two in parentheses it's called an aside he's stopping telling the story of what happened and he's telling the reader some information that we need to know in case we don't know it okay so check this out and they notice that some of the disciples feared to def- uh, fail to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. Verse 3, here's the aside. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Not the word of God, their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. End of aside. Now we're coming back to the story, okay? Verse 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Again, they weren't weren't concerned about sanitation. They were concerned about doing the religious duty that this is what we do. Why don't they do this? Verse 6, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Ouch, Jesus. (laughs) Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. See, they had set up traditions, and they thought the traditions were going to get them in God's good graces. They thought washing their hands in a certain way, this is going to make God happy. This is what we do, but that wasn't at all. They were doing the right thing outwardly, but inwardly, in another place, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. In other words, wow, look at that tomb go inside, and it's nasty in there. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be the people that look great on the outside, but inside we're full of dead men's bones. Pharisees were great at fence laws. A fence law is a law that's not really a law, but it's, it's put up in order to keep you from breaking the actual law. <laughs> let, let me give you an example. It's a silly example. I'm doing that so you'll remember it. Let's say God you know, shows up on the nightly news tonight and says, Hey, new rule. You can no longer drive a red car. Okay, interesting, Lord, but um, all right, you're God, got it. So that's the law, right? The law now is don't drive a red car. Great, great, great. But a fence law, a really religious person would say, Okay, well, because I'm so holy, I'm not only going to not drive a red car, I'm not going to stand next to a red car. Okay, cool. I mean, there's nothing wrong with standing next to it. You just said don't drive it, but that's okay. You're, you're super holy. And then someone else, well, I'm, I'm not only going to not stand next to a red car, I won't even look at a red car. I'm going to walk around, divert my eyes. This is actually what the Pharisees did. They would, they would cover their eyes. I, I, I'm not even going to look. And then, well, I'm so holy, I'm not even going to drive on the same road as a red car. And then, and then all these denominations break out, first church of the red car, and we're maroon, and you're crimson, and, and, and you've got all these different colors, and then you've got your, your, your greasy gracers who drive red cars on purpose because we're free in Christ. And, and, and it's, it's, it's all this religious mess, right? Look, fence laws don't work. They just try to show off your, your religion, your self-righteousness. And the Pharisees were good at that. We don't need fence laws. Fences are good for cattle, but sheep need a shepherd. There's relationship that God has for you. Your boundaries are set by a relationship with the person, not by adhering to a religious tradition. Does that make sense? So these are false mediators. Look, to sum this up, and you know this scripture, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is how you, there are no other mediators. There are no other religious mediators. There's no longer a person you have to go to. There's no longer a place you have to be at a certain time. These things can be good. As a matter of fact, a lot of it is necessary for your spiritual growth. But it's not what connects you to the Father. You go to the Father through the Son. That's how it works. And my question to you this morning is this. Will you replace all other mediators and approach God directly through Jesus? That's his plan for you. He changed the plan. If you read it in the Old Testament, there are a lot of mediators. But if you read after Jesus came, there's only one mediator, the man, Jesus Christ. Let's stand for prayer. If you will close your eyes, I always like for us to respond to what the Lord has said through his scripture. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit in your own words, under your breath. Ask him, are there any mediators I am expecting to connect me to you? I mean, they can be good things. And if you're playing by the rules, congratulations, that's awesome. You'll be safe because of that. And if you're reading scripture, congratulations, that's awesome because it'll change your life. And if you're looking to godly leaders to help direct you, that's awesome because sheep need shepherds. But... Are you coming to the Father through Jesus? It's the only road to travel. Come on, ask Him. Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you've never understood it like this before. And there's never been a point in time where you realized, Oh my gosh, the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus. If you've never made that decision, we want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to identify yourself. And then after I pray... And when we're dismissed, I'm going to invite you to come and pray with our prayer team. Is there anyone here that would say, I've never done this before, and I would absolutely love to make Jesus the one and only mediator between me and God. I want to be connected to the Father through the Son. Any first-time decisions, raise your hand, and we would love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I see you. Good. Anyone else? Okay. Okay, you as well. Good, good. Thank you, Lord. All right, you can put your hands down. I want to lead everyone in a prayer. if you just raised your hand, I'm going to give you instructions. Actually, Steph's going to give you instructions in a moment. But for everyone else, I want everyone to pray this prayer after me. I want to lead you in a prayer where you commit to make sure that Jesus is the only mediator. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord... I come to you in Jesus' name because it's the only name that's worthy and that can provide me access to you. I recognize that Jesus is the only mediator, the only middleman between me and you. So I come boldly in his name. I ask you to cleanse me as I repent from all false mediators. I accept your invitation to come directly to you through the Son. I recognize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, Father, I come to you. In his name, thank you for giving me a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Steph, will you close us out? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at bfcthomasville.org.